Hi, it's Dustin Lanier. Thanks for listening. Please find me on LinkedIn for original public sector operations content every week. And please reach out to me if I and my team of procurement professionals at Civic Initiatives can help you be a public procurement change agent. One last thing about the approach to review before we talk about some of the things that are coming out of it. You uh, pointed to your folks. I'd like to point to some of my folks. So I've got two or three of my folks up here and then my introverts are back there. So all of the people in this room are former procurement professionals. We work well as a team. And I think one of the reasons we do these kind of projects with certified procurement people is I think it helps reduce that cultural resistance of your shop to hearing that we might have something new. Because if it was just a recent MBA grad from Pepperdine telling you how to run your procurement shop, then you might not be able to hear it. So I think that it's very important to have people who have done the work. No, it is. I have to say... To supplement what Dustin just said, there are consultants out there. Civic Initiatives is not the only one that provides this type of support for procurement operations. You know, at the county, we have contracts with consultants who do provide procurement support to, to departments. But what Dustin just said, the team that we work with from Civic and Dustin, they come from the world of the public sector. A, B, most if not all are from procurement. And so they bring to the, to the work that mindset and that lens and most importantly the experience that we that we are all dealing with and then they're their clients they're serving procurement offices nationally and so that's an important piece here as well if you're inclined to move in this direction you got to do if you're looking to you know bring on a consultant you have to do what makes sense for you and what works for you well they can go listen to their case studies how about that <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. So, jokes aside, so um, so let's talk about some of the work that we've been doing as some of our work outputs, some mm-hmm. of the early stuff. One of the early things we did was uh, spend analysis, yep. which I don't believe that you guys had had much of that as a repository before. No, we did not. I mean, that's where I get, I mentioned earlier, operations. I mean, the one thing we did not do historically is really dive deep into the question of sourcing and spend analysis. And that is critical. So that is critical for us. What are we spending our money on? Where are we spending our time? Are we spending our time on high impact contracts or low impact contracts? Are we spending our time on high dollar contracts or low dollar contracts? There are all these questions that go into spend analysis. Do we have four contracts that provide the same widget? Do we have four contracts that provide the same services? Where are we, how are we spending our money and on what? And these are critical questions that we that that we really need we really need to dive into. We weren't doing it before, and so this is something we're moving into the direction of. Mm-hmm. So, a shop that is very transactional, transactional lock-in, spend analysis. It may not even necessarily be helpful because one key question that spend analysis answers is what's the next best thing to do. And if you're in a very transactional shop. The answer is, what's the oldest thing on my desk? Because that's what I'm going to get yelled at. But spend analysis helps you say, what's our strategy in some of these different categories? And where should we have different cat, uh, strategy? So a couple of examples I use all the time. If we do analysis and we see that we have a lot of food spend that's not associated with one of our master contracts, and then we look it up and it's catering services, and we're doing that three phone calls for catering services X number of times uh, a month, then why don't we create a new right. contract for, for catering services and be able to get that right. as spend under management. Right. And sometimes procurement gets into a artifact of the elders problem. Uh, we were in an analysis in a different 
place, and we were suggesting uh, setting up a master contract for survey services. And they said, well, we don't do that here. And then I pointed to the disaster recovery debris cleaning contract set. Well, we do this here, right? Yeah. And it's legal? Yes. And, and we could issue task orders against this, right? Well, then why can't we do it over there? And sometimes if procurement is in a place where they're not thinking about creating and initiating the creation of master contracts, but instead only responding to the requests of the departments, then they're missing the opportunity to create machines. So I know that you are working to use that kind of spend analysis towards a group that's going to try to be able to help with yeah. more strategic sourcing. No, 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 absolutely. Through the work of Civic, one of the things that they uh, recommended for us in terms of transformation is cr creating a unit in procurement I mentioned earlier called operations that dives into these questions of strategic sourcing, spend analysis, uh, et cetera. And that's, that's something we never had before in, in the office of the chief procurement officer, dedicated team just to that. Usually these type of questions would be handled on an ad hoc basis and when we can find some time in our limited bandwidth to deal with them. They're important. And the operations piece, as I call it, is a, is a critical aspect of what we do. But if your operation is like mine and you have limited bandwidth and heavy workloads, then our ability to actually attack that whole topic on a daily basis and give it the attention it needs is quite limited. And so, again, there, the recommendation was create a separate standalone unit that can look into these questions. That's critical. Because now, we, now that we created that unit and we're, we're in the process of beginning to staffing it, we're going to have the time now to look at these critical issues on a daily basis. It's very, very important. And also, the spend analysis is key. I mean, uh, for for the uh, another reason, at the end of the day, we have to make sure we're being we're being efficient with the taxpayers' dollars, right? Mm -hmm. And so, spend analysis will help us stretch the taxpayer dollars even farther. One last thing on spend analysis. I was talking to somebody here in the week where they talked about a new e-procurement system was going to let them do spend analysis. So one thing I just want to say generally as somebody who sees a lot of these tools is e-procurement will eventually get you to spend analysis, but a lot of data has to spool through that system before you can do analysis on it. So don't wait for perfect to begin doing it now. There are ways to do spend analysis even with imperfect data because one problem you'll find with spend data is if your end users have to report correctly for the data to be useful, you should start finding that out now. We did a spend analysis in a state where they had a very large number of live animals that were being purchased in their system because live animals was the first code in the dropdown. So when the end users don't think that it matters, that you're not using it, then, then why, did, why should they spend the time to do it correctly? So you need to be working on spend analysis and not wait for perfect to begin. So let's talk about, you mentioned, you started talking about procurement manuals and so forth, and you mentioned, mm -hmm. you know, procurement manuals that are basically restatement of code are not necessarily useful. We find that good procurement manuals should be actually kind of a relationship document about what do we do in central procurement, what do you do in departments, and how do we do it together for the people that we serve. So things like roles and responsibilities, right. who does what? What does it mean to begin the procurement process? A lot of times when our end users think procurement is slow, it's like, well, you gave us five bullet points on a cocktail napkin. We haven't begun because you haven't given me what I need to begin. So good procurement manuals should then contemplate themselves through forms and templates and then contemplate themselves absolutely. through training. So there's a whole arc. So talk about your vision. Yeah, no, absolutely. 
one common feedback we get from departments is that they don't understand our process. So that feeds into a lot of questions and comments and concerns. And so with a revised procurement manual and revised forms uh, that would help address that feedback from departments, because now with a procurement manual that will be instructional rather than just a restatement, and also one that includes all the forms and walks people through the forms, we will better inform the departments that we serve about how we do things and why we do things. And that will then inform them and they'll get a better idea of what to do the next time they have a procurement request. And regarding our procurement manual too, it's, it's not just one manual. Because our operation is so big, one of the things that Civic is working with us too on is developing for the first time a procurement for our IT procurement. Our IT procurement is, is vast too, it's really big. And it has its nuances regarding the procurement process. And so with Civic, we formed a working group, procurement and our Bureau of Technology, to dive into, the, into the, just the IT procurement process. And then through that working group, and we've done process mapping and flow charts, et cetera, the, the end point is going to be for the first time for the county to release an IT procurement manual that will work in tandem with the larger procurement manual. But these are things that Civic are providing for us. They've done this sort of work before, so they bring that insight and the resources to us to get it done. The IT procurement manual is important because it's a big part <coughs> of our operation. Almost every department and bureau has an IT or uses IT, and it's important to explain to everybody how the IT operation works as well. The more that we can get our operation and onto paper and, and explain to people what we do, how we do it, why we do it, the better off we will be, the more efficient the operation will be, and hopefully the more and the more informed our clients will be, and hopefully in that process then the fewer complaints will come in about procurement. Uh, so let's come back to staffing. So one of the things that we've been really focused on in the last year is articulating and presenting a concept around procurement as a service, which is being able to say, it's not about displacing procurement staff, it's about saying whatever the staffing level is and the space between where that staffing level is and where you need to be, we can help to backfill big stuff, small stuff, white collar, blue collar, what needs to be done. And so I have a speech that I'm doing for uh, the city and county managers. In that one, I'm gonna lay out four profiles of entities that should understand procurement as a service and, and why they do it. So I won't go through all of it, but there's two I'll lay out, the last two, because I think it kind of fits y'all's situation. So one is the protector of vases. And that's the person that's like, I have procurement, but it's fragile. If one vase gets knocked off of that pedestal, I can't come and replace that vase for a long time. So you might have the procurement staff, but it's much more fragile than, than you want it to be. And then the last one is the surge protector, which is my staff is in pretty good shape and it's not fragile. It don't have a lot of single points of, of redundancy, but I see the wave coming and I can't absorb the wave with all the team that I have. So for Cook, you guys had backlog, you had mm -hmm. ARPA coming, mm -hmm. you know, you had lots of things where you just simply needed work and we're helping you to actually oh, they, clear that backlog and turn yeah. that work. No, they have. They've you know, helped us on the staffing side, too, to augment the staff that we have. And it's been critical. Our desire is to you know, have, have a fully staffed department. But until we get there, we're going to need staffing support. And so, so Civic has stepped in to give us that critical support. And they've been helping us turn around our procurement items. And, and if they didn't, it would then increase more our cycle times 
and uh, make us even you know, less efficient. And then interestingly, once we had that agreement and we're gonna start being able to go back at the speed we were, your contract compliance people are the ones who have to receive that work, yeah. who are doing your DEI compliance yeah. and your contract checks. They're like, well, it's great that you're gonna run from step three to step four, but I'm still gonna sit here at step four with three people. Yeah. So we also are helping the contract compliance people dig out of their hole as well on a variety right, of things. Right. You know, the way our uh, operation is set up at Cook County, procurement doesn't run the minority women-owned business enterprise operation for the county. That's a wholly separate department. And so what Dustin was saying is every request that comes into us for a new contract or an amendment, it flows from us then to our Office of Contract Compliance. And so if they're not fully staffed or if they don't have the staffing support, doesn't matter how fast we move in procurement, we're going to we're going to flood them with 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 items to review and they just they have even less bandwidth than we do so it's critical for them they are working to try to come up to full staffing but until they do it's critical for them to get some staffing support and that's where civic has stepped in to provide them also with critical staffing support and which is very welcome so you mentioned some of your other suppliers obviously for an operation as vast as as Cook County, you guys are going to have tons of partners. I yeah. know on the technology side, you have Equal Level, which is doing stuff for you, Bonfire. Yes. So talk a little bit, yeah. just briefly about some of that. Yeah, no, I mean, part of transformation, part of improvement is involves automation, where it works, where it makes sense. And as you said, uh, Equal Level is a longtime partner of the county. And they've been providing critical support to us and uh, Bonfire. And we've been with uh, Bonfire now as, with our procurement platform for about a year, a year plus, and they've helped us to automate aspects of our, of our procurement operation. We are using it very robustly, at least in the Chicago area, among all the agencies that do use Bonfire, we're using it robustly. Our goal is to have Bonfire be our procurement hub. And so we're, we've been moving in that, in that direction. Uh, the, the departments with whom we use Equal Level and Bonfire, the feedback is the same, it's consistent, it's great. I mean, they, they both, they're both critical to our operation. Everybody likes, likes those platforms and it's critical again to, to improvement and transformation. At the end of the day, while procurement is about us, it's people, uh, and, and that's what I believe, but still there are things that we can do to improve what we do and transform. And, and we got into a little bit, you know, restructuring your department and doing surveys with departments to find out where the pain points are and then addressing those pain points. So that gets into process improvements. But another thing you can do is look at automation and your systems. What systems are you using? How many systems are you using? And th those, are, those are critical questions to ask. And so with, uh, I go back to Bonfire. Uh, one of those was with RFPs. I'm sure you've dealt with RFPs and their evaluations and score sheets and, and all this. And then, and then a post-evaluation, uh, preparation of a summary. Well, Bonfire now, evaluations, everything is happening through Bonfire. It's all automated and it's much more efficient. There's much less paper. It's easier for evaluation committee members to do their job because at the end of the day, an evaluation committee is great, but the other thing, what, is, what else is it? The other thing it is, it's also an administrative you know, uh, responsibility now that you're, we're adding on to uh, people who are already busy doing their day-to-day -day jobs. And so we have to find ways to make it easier for people to do their job. 
And so the feedback we get from our departments who have been using now Bonfire is, it's fabulous. And it's been working for us, it's helped us automate. And again, you know, there, there are other systems out there, you know, besides Bonfire uh, and Equal Level. Uh, we, we're, we're enjoying Bonfire. Uh, you might be using something already, maybe not, uh, but I, I encourage you, if you're not, to think about this because it's an important way to help your staff out. It's an important way to, to make your operation more efficient as well. Yeah, that's the key is being able to maximize your people with good processes that then you can automate and drive. And we've then further looked across the technology landscape and the needs that we normally see automated and there are some other things that we help to generate as far as discussions that are on an automation roadmap in the future. Right. So I'd like to point out to all of you guys this picture of Rafi here. Does anybody see anything important about this picture? Anybody see anything up in the ears here? Rafi, I couldn't even track you down to get a headshot because you're so busy. <laughs> so I had to track you down in Zoom to take yeah. a headshot for this class. And, and you didn't even take your earphones yeah. out. That's how busy that you are, right? So a lot of these people are busy too. Right. So how do you find that? How are you finding the time to do this? And what advice do you have to people who may be thinking, "I'm so busy, I do doing what I can. I can't do look at what the new thing is." How do you find time? And what are your suggestions to people who may be considering this kind of a discussion? It, it, the first thing I try to do is I try to focus on myself every day just for a little bit if I can. There's a lot of stress, and the workloads are immense. You're dealing with it. It's not, it's not new to you. But the thing I have to do every day is find some time, whether it's during the workday or when I get home, is just to exhale a little bit and think about myself. The other thing I have to say is, you know, think about your team. Because as much as there's pressures on me, there are pressures and stresses on my team. And so you have to th also think about ways to, you know, help your team members out and help them manage the stress because that's critical. And to me, that's part of transformation and improvement too uh, because we're all operating under the same pressures and stresses. And you know, if, if I can find a way every day, every week, every month, every year to alleviate the pressures, at least on my team, that eases a little bit of the stress on me. Um, so that's critical. Uh, and then the rest, how do we deal with the workload? We just do, we get it done. This type of conversation where we're talking about transformation and, and, and improvement, looking at our operation, looking at our operation honest, looking at ourselves honestly, and be willing to make change, be willing to bring in systems get, that can support the team, I think that's critical too. But at the end of the day, I, I said this earlier, procurement to me is about people, it's about us. I thought your thing about the team was great. One of the analogies we use sometimes in assessments is there's all this sand that has to move from one side of the yard to the other, and we're packing the sand in the sandbags, and we're having the staff move it, and there's a bulldozer over there, and nobody knows how to use it, and we don't have the instruction manual, and it feels very inefficient to go and create and make the machine start working because, man, this sand's got to move. Yeah. But then if we could just get the bulldozer going, then we'd be so much more efficient on our team. And if yeah. we create inefficiency or relieve inefficiency to our staff, especially in an era where people have choices, we can't push our inefficiency to our staff to consume. No. So it's, a, no. it's required for leaders to think about the system that they're putting their people into. No, no, that, that, that's, that's critical. And the other, the other point too is we can't control the workflow. 
You know, as much as we're talking about transformation, innovation, and we're bringing in systems, bonfire equal level, et cetera, at the end of the day, that doesn't control the workflow. There is no wall that we can construct. There is no spigot we can, whose knob we can turn to turn off the flow. The flow is constant. It's every day. So the, the only thing we can do is look at our operation, look at how we can improve it, make it efficient, and think about ways to ease the stress and the burdens on our team. That's going to be critical. And then also looking at if we need staffing support, you know, to do, help us do some of the work, look into that if you can. We don't have the bandwidth to do it all. We don't. And we, we needed staffing support to help us do it. And that's where we're moving in that, in that direction. We're moving at a nice pace too. Thank you guys for your time. Thank I really everyone. do appreciate you coming. <laughs>